Eric doesn't know how to edit. Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to this edition of uh, the End Zone Podcast. Very special Thanksgiving night edition. Boys, uh, joined today with by Brian Brown. Awesome face, you're back. We've just been so bad with uh, Pioneer Pigskin this year, but it's okay. Uh, none of the teams were very good, and it all kind of fell apart down the stretch. Uh, but, boys, happy Thanksgiving, one. I'm very thankful for both of you. You make this fun and pretty easy to do. We're going to keep that part in where Brian says I don't know how to edit, because I do know how to edit. But that mm. was actually pretty. That was pretty funny. So I'll just, I'll just take, I'll take the allegations. And uh, yeah, and, I think uh, you want to give people like a candid look behind the scenes, you know, so they can and, sort of understand. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll the, just the we'll, we'll, preparation we'll, we'll, and careful yeah. editing that goes into this. Absolutely, you know, only the highest standards for the End Zone podcast, really. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, as I just actually now start to think oh i hope that uh i hope that my uh mic is in the right place and here we go changing it now now we should be all set to go uh but normally we do this with video and i'm actually very thankful today that there is no video uh because i don't know where eric is positioning his mic yeah uh, it's an awkward position. Um, how was Thanksgiving for both of you? Learning this, dude. You were more what? awkward. Thanksgiving, yeah. awkward. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let's, let's talk about. Can, can I just say this? And and maybe this is like not a popular opinion. I think Thanksgiving could be one of. I I I like that it's on a Thursday. I think that's great. But I think like the celebration for what it is is a little overrated. Like, is oh. turkey really that good? Turkey? Oh, the, okay. pie, the pilgrims definitely screwed it up. Yeah, like, I mean, is it possible they, they just had turkey because there just happened to be a bunch of like disgusting tur- turkeys walking around? It's just easy to pick one up and I could eat it. I think it's actually evidence of their ineptitude because they weren't even trying to get to Plymouth Rock or wherever it was. Uh, which, if you go, has have either of you ever seen Plymouth Rock? It's yeah, like, it's stupid. It, it's it's literally it's right? one of the worst tourist traps in the history of tourist traps. Highly disappointing to, to the point of where it's, it's awful. like every American should be refunded for that time and energy wasted. Uh, oh, it's in, insulting. Thinking about it. Oh yeah, the fact that Plymouth Rock gets any any shine is like those crappy. Uh, Zillennial cooking videos where they put Totinos in the in the oven and pretend like it's some revolutionary culinary device like delight because right all Instagram videos are cooking. Well, what's uh, funny is they put it in like a weird like a dog kennel, right? So it's just a rock that's in like a dog kennel. Yeah, that you kind of look over a railing and go, oh, okay, yeah. there it is. And I think they do that because they're worried people like like step on pieces off of it and like yeah. throw it into the ocean out of anger. Which that that's totally understandable, but I think to return to my point, it's just the pilgrims botched this exercise from start to finish, right? Like they didn't stop anywhere along the way that was cool and pick up some real good food. Like imagine if they just swung by French Polynesia on the way up and like landed on the on the rock with some Polynesians and just unloaded had a giant luau. Thanksgiving oh, man. 
so much more lit. Yeah, Hawaiian barbecue is tasty. Uh, that that is just a fact. But I I won't take the Thanksgiving slander personally. I think it's the best holiday by far. It's got all you can eat food if you're in the right place at the right time. Pie. God, I love pie. Nothing better than pie, honestly. Huge pie guy, not at all a cake guy. It, like, personally, I think we should get rid of birthday cake, replace it with birthday pie, just better. Uh, in every single aspect of a way that it could be better. And uh, let me tell you this. I think that the football today was also fun to watch, even though we kind of saw three pretty huge blowouts. Uh, I thought that there was fun football on TV, and it was nice. But we can continue to talk about Plymouth Rock, too. That also was... No, uh, was no, no. Uh, Plymouth Rock was, has seen enough shine. No, enough enough time. That's fine. Yeah, I'd rather talk sides, and, and we can even go, like, turkey replacement meals. I mean, I'd, like... Mm-hmm. I'm down for ham. Somebody did brisket today. Roast, um, a roast, a good roast, a well-cooked roast. Uh, roasts are you good. Know, you know, I haven't really seen like Domino's do like a Thanksgiving pizza with turkey and, and cranberry sauce and stuffing. Yeah. Wouldn't that kind of be interesting? Like instead of cheese, it's mashed potatoes over top of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've he, seen the waffle. have 6,000 calories. Yeah. I've seen the waffle sandwich, uh, turkey sandwiches, where you put the stuffing in the waffle maker, and then you do turkey, mm. cranberry sauce, and then mashed potato underneath the turkey, and then another stuffing waffle on top of it, and then people like dip it in the gravy, mm. like an au jus. Uh, mm. So, like, I think there's potential for this turkey pie pizza, I mean, pot pie, shepherd's pie. There's all sorts of pie, like chicago pizza pie alone right like that like chicago style is that's a pie that's not a real pizza and there's lots of options for good turkey substitutions yeah you guys go oven prep like smoked what do you have a preference we did a smoked turkey this year and i gotta be honest that's probably gonna be my preference moving forward that's an interesting idea um i have no involvement in the preparation of any food none at all Um, so you don't pick a side or anything no, I just show up and you know, just you know, just sort of bring bring the party, you know, just sort of. Oh, so you guys tone. are kind of like the, I brought the booze this year. You're you're like the Detroit Lions of Thanksgiving, then. Yeah, you just you know, we're just there. Yeah, we're just there. Well, yeah. Hey, listen, I bought the booze and I bought my bartending skills. I made like probably about twenty drinks today for different varying amounts of people. So. uh yeah, I, I would say I, I contributed a, a solid amount. You had 20 people at your Thanksgiving dinner? No, but there were like five people drinking and most of them wanted like four drinks. Okay. All right. So you had a good night. They tip afterwards or is that just like mm. part, of the, part of the family? Thing? Yeah, no. I told them I'd take cash tips, but no luck. No luck. No luck for well, me. Um, holiday, you know, you're just your congenial personality is is probably enough of a tip for everybody. That's what keeps me coming back. Yeah. I don't give I don't yeah. give a shit about football or podcasting anymore. I just just time with you. That's what I'm here for. 
I, Thank you, Austin. I love you as well. Uh, sorry, I talked over you. That was a very sweet moment between between the two of you. I just like you both as friends. Um, yeah. I'm not ready to commit to another. I love you. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, to to the point to Eric's point, like I think football was probably the second or secondary or thirdary. Tertiary is the word. Yeah, there you go. Tertiary. See, I pronounced that one right, and you knew it too. That's double bonus points. <laughs> Amazing. I don't get as excited about the Thanksgiving Day games as everybody else does. Uh, maybe part of it's like my family is a dog show family. Oh, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. Hey, don't tell people that dog show. Listen, yeah, you can't be admitting that in public. I, I, I chose to share it amongst friends because um, you know I felt like this was a, cut that, Eric. Cut it. Yeah, safe place. But yeah, no, I, like the, the football. Is that. That. I mean, I can't remember ever watching a, a Thanksgiving Day NFL game and being like, "Whoa, that was the best game I've ever seen." Now, Egg Bowl, that's a different story. Yeah, they're usually not. Yeah, you see, I, I saw that Egg Bowl highlighted the guy who had the opportunity to kick a game-winning field goal, and it literally stopped in the air, <laughs> hit the crossbar. <laughs> There's like it like froze in the air and then came back. It was like he was kicking into like 40 mile per hour winds down there in in Mississippi, and I was like, "That's that's cool. That that's a fun way to lose a game." It is that I think to me, NFL is is where you go for a high quality product, right? Where things kind of go as expected, and and maybe. Maybe the first game wasn't so much that because I think most people expected the Packers to lose given how things have trended. That's why I like college football more than the NFL is because chaos reigns. And sometimes you have players peeing on a goalpost. Sometimes you have balls freezing in midair and then just dropping on crossbars. Uh, I can't get it. Like, I know this is a major detour, but have you guys seen this? Story about the giant statue they want to build in Draper. Yeah, the three hundred foot statue. Yeah, I've missed it. Zach Wilson. They say that they're describing it as a companion piece to New York's Statue of Liberty. Oh dear! The Statue of Responsibility. Oh my gosh! Uh, first, that uh, might be of... one of the more stupid things I've ever heard in my entire life, but yeah. also oh, it's wild. Uh, first conceived of nearly 80 years ago by Austrian psychologist and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl, who believed the Ode to Liberty embodied. Oh, yeah. Statue of Liberty. You wrote that book. Yeah. Um, man's search for meaning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so what it basically looks like is like two hands interlocking, but vertical. So it's that makes sense. <laughs> It's clearly a secret handshake out in Draper, right? Oh, it's cert- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. If you have any relationship with the church, you'll recognize it for sure. <laughs> that, well oh my god! Well played. Uh, who who is saying yes to these to these ideas? Like, are people not being told no enough? Ooh. I know I was told no plenty of times. What happened to that? I think. I think that's maybe where things have changed, right? Is, is we've all been told, told no for so long, and some people have chosen to just continue going through even with the bad ideas. I tend to be one who, if I hear no, I respect it. 
and, and reevaluate my plans. But it sounds like these people at the Corner of the Mountain State Land Authority Board are, are just brundling ahead. Like they're rebuilding the uh, the Continental Railroad, which like even that would be a better statue than this. Oh boy, this is revolting. This is I mean, truly revolting. When you're trying to like outwhale the whale at ninth and ninth, I think that's no that's more of thing. that. Yeah, silliness, right? And and I think this goes along with my football theory: the sillier the football, the better it is. Like maybe, and maybe this is the fun part about Thanksgiving Day football for me is uh, finding out things like DK Metcalf learning American Sign Language so he can talk trash to his opponent without getting a flag. That's funny. I feel like that's legendary. I I can just feel Eric just seething, like, why did I stay up for this? No, it's okay. I, I, we can talk about statues and Draper till the cows come home. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. But also, I am slightly fading fast, and I'd like to talk about the football that happened today because I do have takes, as I always do. Uh, this was this was a big um, day for quarterbacks, I thought, and and especially for like a little bit of NFC talk, which doesn't happen a lot on this podcast because there's so many people with it involved with AFC teams. But I thought today was really a day that showed me, oh, like the Detroit Lions are susceptible. And the one thing that I was just, I think what I was most shocked by today was the fact that Detroit's offensive line just got bullied by a bunch of Green Bay Packers backup defensive linemen. And I I couldn't really believe what I was watching. Uh, And, it just it, it got out of hand so quickly. I know the big story is going to be Jordan Love, but I really thought that game was lost in the trenches for Detroit. They just could not keep Jared Goff safe for most of the day. That was my big takeaway on that one, at least. Yeah, career high in fumbles with three for Jared Goff. One that was returned for a touchdown in the first quarter. I I think that's a I think that's a good assessment. I just muted myself. Yeah, which but, is um... oh, and what? But it was Jonathan Owens who scored. I just realized. Yeah, and he's dating Simone Biles. Oh no, they're married. Simone Biles. Yeah, how fun! It was a huge day for Simone Biles' husband. He was kind of fucking all over the place, guys. He he really balled out today. He made like four or five different plays. Did the Packers need that more in terms of like? Because they're out of the playoff picture for the most part, right? No, they're right back in it now. Oh, now, right? So that's like, so I I think in terms of like a need to win game, it tipped in favor of the Packers on that one, right? Absolutely. For for the Lions, they're they're headed that direction. They just kind of need to not give up the entire ship and they'll be in the playoffs. For them, it's more about seeding and and potential. Yeah, the Lions right now have a two game lead in the NFC North, 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 North over the Vikings. North. Um, lost anyway, keep going. Yeah, I, I hated that one too because I, I tried to potentially argue for the Seahawks as a sneaky Super Bowl contender a while back with Eric. But to, to Eric's point, I think the interesting part about this game is is Goff, like you said, it, it, like Austin said, three fumbles. So wasn't it 
week previous that he had the three interceptions, but he overcame that. And so now three fumbles. So is it like as long as Goff is making mistakes in terms of where he's throwing the ball, he's fine. It's just when his offensive line makes mistakes that he's not. That's interesting. Yes, or maybe not. That is true. The offensive I, I, I was I, I, I think you're right. I'm sorry, I was reading and I was enthralled. Yeah. I think I think the offensive line thing is is valid, but I really thought that this was a great performance from Jordan Love. He's kind of been trending this way the past few weeks, actually, but I didn't really think he could play as well as he did today. This was the best game of his career, and it just if you're a Packers fan, you have to be thrilled because it, it just seems like you might have found another good mate. What's yeah, we're and then that could be crazy. Like, we don't know if he's Aaron Rodgers level yet or not, but like, this is a team that, like, if he continues to play this way, they will make the playoffs and they will be within the playoff conversation as far as teams that you kind of have to take seriously. I think the Lions are still there. Uh, but today kind of shook my faith a little bit. I was really high on them coming into this week, but I don't think they're on the same level as the Eagles and the 49ers are after today. I, I think that's pretty clear. I think they're pretty clearly in that second tier with the Cowboys. And that'll be a very interesting game coming up in about three weeks. They play each other. So that, that will tell us a lot as well. You know, I saw an interesting – so, let me let me just, let me just take the wheel real quick, Bry. I saw a very interesting story relating to the Lions this last week. Maybe it was a week before. You know, obviously we know Texas A&M just shelled out a seventy-five million dollar contract buyout to Jimbo Fisher. They need a new head coach now. Obviously, Dan Campbell is reportedly someone that they're very interested in. But obviously, you know, he's an NFL head coach right now. It would be sort of like a a weird sort of maybe possibly unprecedented move to drop to, to go from being a winning NFL head coach, dropping down to the college ranks. But I think someone made the argument that Texas A&M might be one of the best coaching jobs in the country. If you consider the fact that if you fail, they will pay you an ungodly amount of money. And if you win, you will be pretty much like an icon in that community forever in the college station area. What 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 do you is is there anything there? What do you, what do you think? I, I think so we'll NFL has is there a sum of money that that would interest Dan Campbell in in, in jumping down to to be the head coach at Texas A&M? Go for it, Eric. Yeah, I I just don't think historically NFL coaches do not go. It doesn't go the other way around. College it's guys only if they go fail the at, the, at the professional level, really. Think of like Saban but, and guys like but, that. But yeah, guys don't guys don't choose to go to college. So uh, I I don't think I think what you know it's all fine and good. And Texas A and M is probably a good place to go coach. But you're telling Dan Campbell he has to go from not recruiting to recruiting constantly, twenty four seven three sixty five, and then on top of that you have to compete with LSU and, and Alabama who by the way one of them has one of the greatest 
coaches to ever do it. And the other has probably a top 10 to 12 coach in the sport, uh, leading the way in, in Brian Kelly. I don't think Dan Campbell under any circumstances, unless he had to take that job to keep food on the, uh, table for his family, which he doesn't at this point because he's an NFL head coach and he's being paid handsomely and he should probably get a contract extension after this year. Um, but he also played. Yeah, man. I don't think he's going back to college. Okay. How about this? How about this? It makes all the sense in the world, right? Like I think it makes all the sense in the world because he's a great culture guy. I think that kind of meathead, man Campbell mentality would fit perfectly in the the college ranks and yes like getting a potential hundred million dollar cash in that has to be appealing to everybody uh to Eric's point though like coaches are fleeing in mass from every level below the NFL like high school college there's 12 head coach jobs open at Utah high schools that's absurd like College coaches are are fleeing left and right as well. So like I don't for those reasons, I just don't think the money is enough, let alone the politics. Like you have one boss in the NFL, right? The owner. And, and I guess mm-hmm. technically you could argue the general manager. In college, you've got every single booster that writes a, a six-figure check that thinks that their input matters. Right. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're dealing with all that. I just if I were Dan Campbell, I would say thanks, but no thanks, and go back to the Lions and be like, "Hey, tack on an extra six mil, and let's 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 go." So, um, Nick Saban makes eleven point four million a year right now. I think someone estimated Dan Campbell probably makes around four million. What it, what would happen if the old boys down there at Texas A and M say, "Hey, let's gig him. Here's a check." $13 million a year, $14 million a year. If there's a clause in the contract that, that says I only talk to the athletic director and no boosters, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Right. Is Dan Campbell, like <clears throat> the way the recruiting calendar is set up, he really doesn't have to recruit year long year round. Right. Like Kyle Whittingham's proven this. He's basically off campus for six months of the year. Right. So you just hire a couple of good assistants who can hold down the fort, come in in December, close out all the high school kids, you know, knock out the transfer portal dudes in a 30 day window and, and you're set. Right. So mm-hmm. under those circumstances, that's when I would I would lock it up. But I think that's like the, the culture at Texas A&M is deeper than just the locker room for the football team. It is so political and booster ridden. And <laughs> I think. So I don't know how much you guys have paid attention to the news. This whole chat GPT thing that's going on with Sam Altman getting fired. Mm, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And someone described it as it's basically like an Auburn booster revolt. And and that's the perfect description of like that happens all the time at Texas A&M. We just don't always read about it. Right. And so I think that's the part about it where if I'm an NFL coach looking to go back down a level or or looking to cash checks, that's where it's non-negotiable for me. But I, I mean, I'm not Dan Campbell. I don't know him well enough. But that's just <laughs> for me. That's that would have to be. I'd have to be a piece of it. And the the difference between Dan are, are Campbell we seriously discussing this. 
we can stop. We can stop. I just want to. I want to. I want to. I'm on people. delay. Two things. Uh, I'm on you know delay here. Came... <laughs> go go. Okay, I I'm on delay here. Sorry, the internet, as I predicted, is a mess. We'll figure this out in post. But are we seriously discussing this? Dan Campbell is a coach of a historically bad franchise that within the span of three years turned them in from the laughing stock of the league to a team that has a chance to be a top three seed in their conference. He could lose the playoff game like 40 to 17 and he'd still have great job security because the Lions haven't had a good coach in 50 years. What are we doing here, guys? He's not going to go to college just for the hell of it. Like, uh, what what kind of fan fiction are we trying to write right now? <laughs> what if it was Sean Payton? Did Sean Payton catch that, Jack? Yeah, sure, because he doesn't really have the job security. That Dan, Dan Campbell, that franchise is literally built in his image at this point. He's not just going to leave that. Like, he might be one of the coaches with the most control in the NFL. Uh, you know what's great about that, Eric, is I, uh, Brian and I were just sort of enjoying taking a ride on this this uh, road that was, you know, it was, it was a, a statue of trip. responsibility. Yeah, we were, we were checking out the new statue. And <laughs> Part of me almost forgot that you were on the on this uh, on this leak on this call. Uh, you came in <laughs> like just storming, storming Norman. I want yeah, to get man. this in I mean, there. I, I try, I try to be the voice of reason from time to time. <laughs> You're ruining my show. <laughs> did you guys know that Nick Saban owns like 10 Mercedes-Benz dealerships? I did uh, hear that. Yeah, I saw that. Could you see, wow. like, what, what is Dan Campbell owning? Ford dealerships? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Nothing but well, Ford I'll, Raptors? I'll tell you this. Well, one of my former boss, when I was uh, one of my intern tenure, internship tenures at the Jazz, she got hired by the Lions, and she gets a five hundred dollar a month Ford stipend for it, like any Ford car she wants. See, there you go, right there. That that That's alone. Cool, right? How many of those? How many of those stipends do you think Dan Campbell has? Maybe it, maybe two. Yeah, he's not driving electric. Hell no. Maybe he is. I don't know. What else you got for us, Eric? What did you guys think of Jordan Love? Because I, I, I don't know. I was just pretty damn impressed. I didn't really, like, the last few weeks have been good. I didn't know he had some of the stuff that was in his bag today. Like, I don't think he's played this well since maybe, like, his best years under Matt Wells at Utah State. Like, I, I, I thought... I thought he played incredibly well today. And you you kind of saw, oh, yeah, this guy did sit behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. And obviously, he didn't have much game experience. But now he's got about 10 games under his belt. And he's kind of starting to figure it out a little bit. I think the confidence is pretty apparent, especially that was the first play of the game was a 50-yard you know, pass to Christian Watson. I think, you know, the fact that they're willing to, you know, you know, run that play on the first play of the game on Thanksgiving on national TV, 
think it shows that Matt LaFleur is confident in him and that he's confident in himself. I think that was a very telling play to me. 22 of 32 for 268 yards, 8.4. And I get it, yards per completion is not a stat that we're supposed to pay attention to, but two stats that I do like. Three TD passes to zero INTs, QBR of 90.6, and a rating of 125.5. Uh, short short answer, Jordan Love went to French Polynesia before hitting Plymouth Rock. So, mm-hmm. Way better. And that's good news because I think uh, he was due. He'd shown moments and flashes. He's just never really put together a full game. And I thought today he put together a full game, and that was that's big for Green Bay moving forward. Because like like Austin said, the confidence factor, especially at the QB position, like you look at the difference between Jordan Love and Zach Zach Wilson. Oh boy. Yeah, poor Zach Wilson. Uh, it's not all we don't need to talk about it, but like, I mean, that's the difference between handling handling a QB well and not handling a QB well. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I thought it was a fun day. If you are a Cowboys fan, because you got the classic classic game where it's like, Oh yeah. Dak Prescott is a top five quarterback. Like he's a dark horse MVP candidate. But then you look, and it's against a really bad team again and against a really bad defense. And it's just funny because it's it's kind of easy to just, like, you can kind of pretty much always predict Dak's stat line. He's going to have probably about 350, 370 yards and three to four touchdowns if he's playing a below-average league defense. But if he's playing an above-average league defense, he's going to be looking more like 250 with, two touchdowns and a pick. So it's, uh, it, but it is nice to see Dak ball because he's a likable guy. The Duran Bland thing was cool. He set the, uh, the interception. And honestly, guys, I, I just got to say this. And I know this is such an unpopular opinion because yes, he probably is a dirt bag, but sometimes I just like to eat what Jerry feeds me. Sometimes I just like to say, Yes, Jerry Jones, I will be a Cowboys fan today. I will buy into the hype. I will give you some money. I will watch your TV deal. I will I will look fondly. He wouldn't be good at what he did if he, he couldn't get world. people like you in New York. Yeah. And every single year on Thanksgiving, I'm like, all right, what the hell? I'm room for the Cowboys. And then they do cool shit like the turkey leg celebration. I thought that was awesome. They're going to get fined millions of dollars for that because the NFL is just spineless and hates fun. But, yeah, man, I, I thought it was a good day. You had Dolly Parton out there. You had Tony Romo oh, getting horned up over Dolly Parton. Jack like, yeah, Dolly over Jack, 100%. It was not even I actually miss Jack That was the biggest blowout I, of the day. I miss Jack Carlo. But I, I hope when my wife and, yeah. you know, First of all, it would be a big gift for me to have a wife. But I hope when I do, I hope she looks like that when she's 77 years old. That would be I, great. We're defying, like, I'm, Dolly Parton is is a one of one. So I, it, that's a hope that we can all have. But respect to the woman who has just constantly defied all the odds in so many different ways. Uh, she's a I, here's my, is, is that better than the Creed performance of Thanksgiving's past? 
not well, in the sense, not in sense of like culture. meme factor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Eric. Like why for, for whatever reason, I had sympathy towards the Cowboys today, and I was happy for the Cowboys. I was happy for Cowboys fans. Uh I made this the observation the, this, that Sam Howell. So if you're gonna talk, you gotta go. Don't stop. Yeah, I know. The the sad part is this was their Super Bowl. It was their celebration game because they're, they're like I think it's been clear that like, they're just not up to snuff when it comes to the great teams of the NFC, right? They've proven it against Philly and the San Francisco 49ers. I think their schedule gets super gnarly moving forward, doesn't it? Cowboys, let me look here. Yeah, let me pull it up really quick. Oh, don't worry, Eric. I'm on it. Don't worry. Yeah, so at so home against the Seahawks. That's and a, then that's home a, against the Eagles, then at Bills, at Dolphins, Lions, Command, and then at the Commanders. Which here's the thing with the Commanders: I kind of like Sam Howell, but my 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 metaphor for him is like he's a he, when he gets in the kitchen and he's cooking, you're either getting a five star meal or something completely inedible that has to go straight, like where you are just Parks and Rex mean straight to jail, straight to jail. Um, and it's like every bite, you just don't know which one you're gonna get. He's just right. like the uh, like a like a new version of Jameis Winston, I guess you could say. Yeah, except for not as like silly and goofy. So you kind of, like, yeah, hey, like are you kind of like you kind of might be a dude, like you, you might be kind of good, and then he'll just throw something. And you just no, no, that that that's not it, right? Like he'll he'll send you to Plymouth Rock, and so like. And I say that because I think that was nice that the the Cowboys got to play Sam Howell because it clearly, I mean, and Dak was dealing too, man. Like he threw a couple passes where I was like, all right, I like the way he climbed in the pocket today. You know, it's nice to see Tyron Smith playing left tackle again, and and you know, even though he's probably too old to pit, play the position full time, um, yeah, it was just like like Eric put it perfectly. Like, congrats, Cowboys, you just won your Super Bowl. Now here's your first round playoff loss. Weren't the Bills supposed to be good too? I just noticed the Bills are like six and five. The Bills yeah, are an interesting that's, that's, case that's, that's, study. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like I, I I feel like they are they're getting better. Like they they move the ball pretty effectively against the Jets. I'm not ready to get out on the Bills yet. As long as Josh Allen is playing, I'm not ready to get out on the Bills. I think they will at some point figure it out and get it together. But yes, it is fair to say that right now they are kind of an average to above average offense and a really bad defense, to be honest with you. So, uh, so it's injuries that rush that defense, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Like it's just they've been, they've been devastated by injury bug. And that, and that's been since like week four, honestly. Like they've been. They they just got crushed early with that a bunch of season ending stuff, and then yeah, it's all just kind of compiling right now. But I, I do I I do still think they're a playoff team. I really do. I mean, the AFC is so weak after the Burrow injury, and especially if the Chiefs continue to look the way they do, which is a team that doesn't really have a competent offense. Like I, I think that the Bills are going to be in it till the very end. I really do. I I, I think that. I'm not too worried about them. It might look ugly record-wise, 
but they're going to be in the divisional round of the playoffs. Like they'll figure it out. And I don't know that their offense is. Yeah, I don't know that their offense is as bad as people think it is. It's just Josh Allen is who he is. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions and a lot of what you know WTF balls and and things like that. But typically, they have enough juice, you know, defensively to to get over the hump. I think this year it's just it's some of the stuff is like not never having a run game. You know, like how are you being the like year four of the Sean McDermott experience and they still don't have a decent run game? You know what I mean? Like I know that sounds so cliche that the offensive line dude wants a run game, but it it still matters. You know, even if you don't like running the ball. Look at the Niners. How much of a difference Trent Williams and Debo Samuel make? Now all of a sudden Brock Purdy's just slaying dragons. Here's the thing. If you've ever played Madden, you know that running the ball is not fun. No one has ever called a running play once while playing Madden. Ever. HP lead. HP lead. Never. No. Yeah. Nope. I do on, on rookie mode. I do kind of like running the ball, though. Again, I was more of an NCAA football kind of guy because you could run an option in NCAA football. By the way, what's happening with that game? I thought that game was coming out soon. Uh, some delays. Oh, boy. Safe to say. I'm sure it has something to do with NIL and all the other stuff that's just ruining college sports. They say July. I don't know if I believe it, but they say July. So I kind of think that if it were actually coming out in July, though, we'll have a trailer within like the next two or three months uh, and a little bit more information. Because right now I, I do feel like it's it's not happening, to be honest with you. That makes me sad. There were some player opt outs that I think caught them off guard, which yeah, I think didn't Notre Dame opt out entirely. Yeah, something weird like that. I think that got gonna... settled actually. Did it? But like that was part yeah. of the thing that took a long so it was always slated to come out in 2024, but Really, what's taking it so long is that you have to get all the rights and and fight songs and all this other stuff, and it's just a lot of work. So I, I hope that people buy that thing in droves, and then you get it. But yeah, if not, I'm sure people will go back and rip off the old games. Oh yeah, that's 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 an economy in itself. Yeah, in in, in true American fashion. Yeah. Yeah, people have been playing NCAA 14 for like what we're going on 10 years now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else did you watching tonight, watching football today? What else did you, stood out to you, Eric? I think it's just unfair that Kyle Shanahan has Christian McCaffrey. Like, how did we allow this to happen? How did we allow, and like, Debo maybe one and of Trent the best Williams and Chase? Young. Like, how did we allow? how did we allow one of the best like run scheme coaches of the past decade, just get a free Christian McCaffrey. They gave up like a third round pick for him and he's going to legitimately carry them. Like I love Brock Purdy, but tonight was not his best game and they got carried by Christian McCaffrey and he's just going to keep doing it and we'll see how far they get. But to me, they're the team I like out of the NFC right now. And they're the team I like for the Super Bowl, to be completely honest with you. 
I I've been a fan of the Eagles, but I think if you had to ask me right now, I heard the $20 team to win the Super Bowl. I think I would say I'm going to San Francisco 49ers. And that it's just I, I feel like it's hard to go hard to go wrong with them right now. I feel like they they are just a very good team led by a very good rushing attack and now a defense that has two absolute monsters coming at you uh, from the edge and that's pretty good at stopping the run. So I, I feel like the, the Niners are in a really good spot. It drives me crazy that the Seahawks have just never made making or getting a good offensive line a priority, at least not in like the last five, eight years. They've, they never had a great line. When Russell Wilson was at his most competent, he's very good now. Let me just let's just point that out. Very, Russell Wilson's having a great year this year, um, but the Seahawks just like they started a forty-one-year-old at like tackle tonight, and like there's nothing wrong with being forty-one. Like I'm when I'm forty-one, I'm going to be like in the best shape of my life. But I don't know. I it, it, I don't know. It's just like shout just out to Seahawks for what down twelve pounds now. You say. I think I'm down more. I think I'm probably down around 20. Look at that. Yeah. The Jason yeah, so. Peters of his generation. Probably me, for sure. Yeah, Jason Peters, the guy's name. Yeah. Apparently, and this guy has been along, been around so long, he was blocking for, like, Doug Flutie or no, – no, Drew Bledsoe, I saw. And, you know, that generation, now he's blocking for Geno Smith. He's, he blocked for uh, to be completely- Justin Fields. <laughs> To be completely frank, Austin is coming in late. But, man, Jason Peters is an all-time player and a no-doubt Hall of Famer. He was a top-five left tackle in the league for probably about 15 straight years, and he's still playing and being serviceable. So, no disrespect towards you. Let's not do serviceable. Let's get get an an elite group in, you know? Yeah, I, I... I think it's more, it's a credit to Jason Peters for just not giving up. Like, <laughs> still, like going out and like, he's in the ultimate dad mode right now of just making sure my kids can go to college, you know, just going to work every single day with a lunch bell. And he's probably made $150 million. It's less than that, but uh, it, I, it's impressive that a guy, and he's had some pretty serious injuries as well he's been able to take care of his body and, and still be as good as he is. I think the point still stands like Seattle's been after this. Yeah. We're building the offensive line for so, so, so long. And yet they still can't really do it. So I think some of that, <clears throat> my argument is always that the, the most important player on the offensive line when it can it comes to pass protection is the quarterback, right? I think it's part of why you saw so many struggles with the university of Utah this year because you've got a quarterback that's not great in the pocket compared to one who is elite in the pocket. You know, I thought today watching Dak, for example, in the pocket, that's a dude that's elite. You know, you saw Goff, like the pass pro is real bad because he was real bad in the pocket today. And sometimes dudes just have bad days. Like Patrick Mahomes is another one, right? Um, you know, sometimes with the way he extends plays, it's, it's great. And sometimes it's not so great, but regardless, he, keeps his offensive line in good shape the way that he moves around. And so you see Russell Wilson, I I think he's still the difference with Russell is Russell's finally like lost the juice enough athletically to where he has to stay in the pocket and he has to be 
a good pocket passer, right? And I think Sean Sean Payton's done a good job of doing that. So I think you know, throughout the course of this conversation, and and Gino, I, I think Gino is who we thought he was, right? A, a tier oh, yeah. two, tier three quarterback in in games against the Niners and. I forget who it was that they played last week, but it was just like, good lord! Like trying to go up against Chase Young and and uh, Bosa and all the other filthy, you know, pass rushers that they have. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, you know? I think we can call last year an anomaly for Geno Smith. Still, still, you know, better than half the quarterbacks in the league, but not. Eric, do you remember? Yeah, do you remember who it was that the Niners played last week? The Niners had – let me pull it up really quick. I believe they had – it was Napa Browns last week. They may have been on uh, – Somebody by, expected – No, 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 no. It was – it was – uh, no. The Rams had the Seahawks. The 49ers had the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was the week before, right? And, but oh, either sorry, way, it, yes. didn't, it, it didn't matter because both weeks, the Niners defensive line just swallowed up everybody. Like I can't, I can't imagine being a quarterback trying to face that defensive line, and that may be the best thing that Brock Purdy has going for him is that he doesn't have to face his defense on Sundays, just Monday through Friday. Why do I yeah, always? No, leave I you think guys? it's a totally. We're starting to lose, Eric. Uh, his uh his wi-fi okay. much like his yeah my wi-fi is not gonna hold up yeah i'm here can, yeah. can you guys hear me let's just wrap up here i do feel like we covered Zoom. a lot of what happened on thanksgiving which i feel good about austin and brian i'm gonna sign off if you guys want to talk a okay. little bit about what's coming up this week as far as college football goes that'll be good until next time i i, I will see you guys in a little bit i'm out of here Brian, let's just do a quick tan. I think I think here's the the there's a couple interesting things here. One, Utah's hosting Colorado, a game that I think people had circled on their calendars all year. Um, probably a little less excited now. Utah being um, or Utah seven and three, Colorado's four and seven. Is that right? Yes. So is there? I mean, what what are you what are you looking for in this game? Like, what 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 interests you? I mean, we, we we were speaking before we started recording that Utah is going to have to play um, a guy whose name I will not attempt to say. Yeah, Luke Botari. Mm-hmm. Of, Botari, of, yeah. Of the, uh, the Florence Botaris. Um, I don't even mm-hmm. know if that's true or not. But the Sicilian Botaris. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like that's going to be the potential starter for Utah, which it's a guy that's been in the system a long time, so you know he knows the offense. Uh, he tried to transfer to Cal. Um, last season ended up coming back to Utah for whatever reason. I don't know the details behind that. I think it's very How funny. This game... He just rips Colorado up for like five hundred <laughs> yards. You know, like he, like he was the solution the whole time. Well, that would be kind of funny. It would add to the legend of like Drew Lisk and so many walk-ons of years past, right? Where they come out and just ball so hard for one game and and set their legacy as as they leave the University of Utah. I think. What's what it's really indicative of is what's becoming a bigger trend in college football now with the transfer portal and everything else. Colorado kind of decimated by injury too. That that's not a, that's a football team that's really fought to get to four and seven, 
and it was hard for them to get to four and seven. And that's, you know, after they swept, uh, they're out of conference games. So I don't, it's one of those games where I just, I don't know what to expect because there's so much that's unexpected. You know, Utah has been dealing with sickness and injuries and you never, it's funny. You never know who's going to play until they make it important to let you know who's going to play or not. Right. Um, so I don't know if Colorado's got, if Shador is going to roll out there, if he doesn't, then it, it really just becomes an ugly slugfest. You know, how many snaps does Sione Vaki take at QB? If there really is something going on and I haven't seen lines or anything like that drop for this game significantly, the over under still 48 and a half and Utah's favored by 20 and a half. Oh, so, that's great. Well, I'll tell you what has dropped a lot. And I think this is sort of um, indicative of the excitement around the game. Uh, ticket prices. I, I I was kind of keeping an eye on this game because, um, you know, I thought this might be might be an interesting one to go see. Um, for almost the entirety of the year, ticket prices were out of control for this game. I, I thought it had a chance to be one of the most expensive games in Utah history. Um, right now, you can get in. Let's see what the get in prices you can get it you can get a seat now they 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 had a bunch of standing room only tickets but now you can get a seat for less than 40 bucks so i think that uh pretty much uh is a good uh, indication of uh how how you know revved up people are for this game and perhaps how revved up the players are who knows this is going to be the big test for the university of utah is how do they fare on you know games and seasons where they don't perform and win out you know, championship wise, uh, I don't want to say the fan base is fickle. It's it's always a tough game because Colorado's not a marquee opponent. Even this year, with all the Dion hype, I still don't think they last long enough to make it exciting. Um, right. And <clears throat> I know people are saying that this year is kind of an outlier in terms of all the injuries. They've had a lot of injuries in years past. They have been a lot of guys that had to sit out and, and didn't make it all the way through the season and blah 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 this year it like jumped into exponential like ridiculous uh crazy wild out of proportions and i think there's there's a couple of reasons for that i think you know utah still doesn't have a director of sports science and, and sports performance outside like strength coach is is doug elisaya doug elisaya does a phenomenal job but strength coach and your sports science are two separate entities altogether. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that they still don't have one of those since Ernie Reimer left in 2019, and I've said this for a long time, like since he left in 2020 is actually when <clears throat> when he actually did leave. But it's it's kind of been a struggle for them. And I think some of it is just that you have to have that group there to help navigate, you know, Kyle Whittingham's work ethic because Kyle Whittingham is just going to keep working and pushing guys and until it stops. And so some of that stuff is is just you know, catching up with him finally, and they'll have to make those changes in the off season. And undoubtedly they will. And, and moving into the big 12 will be a part of that and blah, blah, blah. I think the biggest thing is this, this season's just been a drag. It's been hard, right? Like, oh my God, I yes. I don't know about you, but my interest in it has not been nearly as high. And, and, and arguably some of it is just, you know, you cover a team for a while and, and that starts to drag on you. I think, you know what it's like to cover a beat better than anybody. Um, it can like covering a beat's really, really hard. And it's just getting progressively oh, yeah. harder every single year. Um, but it also just kind of wears you out. Like you, there's <clears throat> how you connect to a team and, and 
what makes it interesting and how you hype up every single game. Like I think Utah just expects it to just be the people just show up and, and the greatness just always be there because the football program works hard the way that they do. And, and, you know, being a great football team in a power five conference and, and a perennial top 25 program, it takes more effort than just coming out on Saturdays and playing good football. I, I think, I don't know. I, I, but I, I, you seem to share my sentiment about it just kind of being a drag this year. What are your thoughts? There, there were, I mean, my friends and I, we kept saying this every time. We're like, holy shit, I can't believe we, like, th- this Saturday has been, this is just it. You spend your whole day watching this team, and you never really feel your heart rate go up. You never have, like, any sense of suspense. It's, it is, it's, they've been a, and I think it's a large part to, to do with, the inefficiencies on offense and the fact that they've had to rely on their defense to win a lot of their games. They're they're They've been a hard team to watch this year. And I think that's, you know, I, th- I think when, when it's hard for people to watch, it's probably hard to be excited to get involved with. And, you know, I, I think that's something that will probably need to be addressed. And I think will be addressed when we see guys like Cam rising, come back and other guys who are going to be excited to, to put on a show especially being in a new conference everything's going to be new and, and fun and we're going to see teams that you know have probably never played at rice Eccles stadium it, uh, at least a couple i would think not without having the research on me but yeah i'm, I'm excited for next year already I, th- I think this has been one of those one of those gap years where it's just you know it it you're, it's just a bridge right you're bridging from from one era to the next and this has just been been the price to pay you know the realignment definitely was a fatiguing factor. And and when it happened, basically right before the season started, that's a really that's an emotional roller coaster for fans to go through. And then the mismanagement of the cam rising injury, right? I, I, I yeah. just I cannot for the life of me understand what the reasoning was to think to to project that he was going to be this the game one starter when you never you hardly ever see guys come back from acls in in less than six months you know like he had a surgery in february i I just you don't have to be a math whiz to do the numbers on that and it just for them to continually think and plan and count on that and then roll things out the way they did and, and like you said it wasn't fun to watch this team this year you know except in spurts and you know i think it's interesting everybody watches the arizona state game and it feels like things are fixed, right? And then you show up for a first half against Washington, and then the second half, guys are just done. They're spent, right? And and Washington takes that one away, and then, you know, you're decimated by the flu, and it looks like your team doesn't even show up against Arizona. And, and you know, I, I don't go to fans for, for analysis, right? <laughs> like, fans are going to say that. Yeah, I know. It's what, what a wild concept on my end. But fans are well, always going to say the same things. Team quit. Team gave up. You know, all that kind of stuff. And it's just look, man, like there's so much going on with these teams behind closed doors and it's stuff that everybody thinks that they want to know. They really don't. You know what I mean? You you don't want to be that involved and invested in it. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's just like, I think it's just the emotional roller coaster of realignment coming out, the cam rising, do or don't like by week six, everybody's just exhausted. And and this team was not, you know, the the, the fun parts about what was supposed to be an exciting, plucky team that was going to compete for the Pac-12 just didn't feel fun you know it was supposed to be one last dance with cam rising and brand keithy and now it sounds like we're going to get one last dance in 2024 and i'm curious to see how that looks because 
maybe guys just aren't built to be at Utah for seven years. I don't know. It's just there's there's this is such a new era, and everybody thinks it's great to have Cam Rising come back, but sounds like you know how does that affect recruiting? You know, and, yeah. and, and can you get a backup to come in here uh, behind him? Because I I don't think that everybody is going to stay. And and you and I are talking about Bryson Barnes, like that's a guy that legitimately has you know you're a power five starter at utah so you're good enough to go somewhere else and, and possibly make decent money and set yourself up that maybe you can start your own pig farm after this if that's your goals i don't you're think you're alone yeah yeah like i, I look like bryson's a smart kid and, and he has plenty of talent potential beyond pig farming and, and working at lowe's so i don't want to yes i want to insult the man because he's he's he, he really is a is smart intelligent person um, but you know, there's potential out. So, so are we going to be so arrogant as to think that he owes the University of Utah something to stay here as a backup for the next few years? No, and, and you know, for Brandon Rose and Nate Johnson, and I know there's lots of rumors fro- floating around in Nate Johnson. I don't have any confirmation on that stuff, so I'm not going to say anything. But, um, you know, like it's <laughs> we always tend to think that things are going to be great. And they usually are in whatever reason that we think they're great. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's usually a downside that we never, never think or analyze. Like, I don't know if you saw this and I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but I can't get it on my mind. Netflix did that live, uh, live stream of the golf tournament with the F1 drivers and the PGA tour pros. Did you I watch did not that? Netflix mm-hmm. cup. Uh, I, I, the only reason I would recommend it to you is because I know that you, like me, are a producing nut and, and that stuff is like a passion of yours. And oh my lord, watching it, I'm just like, how is the production this bad? You know, in terms of like they have really? the worst people in the worst places. So they got Marshawn Lynch on board for this, but they're using him kind of like as a sideline reporter. And I'm okay. just like, yeah, like in theory, you're like, okay, yeah, that, that might work. But really, what's great about Marshawn is like, he's just a genuine, he's, he's Marshawn. Right. And so what's really funny about Marshawn, roll him into a pharmacy or or a grocery store and let him just go talk to people. Right. Because that's where he is at his best. He's not at his best, like trying to ask in-depth questions of of golf. He's not an interviewer. Yeah. No. So like halfway through the show, they're like, where's Marshawn? And you can see like in the corner of the shot. So one of the holes they have like the squid game thing, like there's just the the creepy statue. Uh Turns okay, and looks yeah, at you. Gotcha. yeah, I think I yeah. saw that. So they've got the ball, and, and the ball is full of $4.65 million. So if, if a player hit a hole in one on that hole, like the, that would be donated to charity, whatnot. Mm. And so they're like, Where's Marshawn? And you can see out of the corner of the shot that he's like wrapping his arms around the ball full of money. And you can't tell if he's like trying to lift it up and steal it, or if he's just like trying to gauge it or hug it. And I'm like, That's what you need Marshawn doing throughout the golf like just going around and being Marshawn, just put a camera and a mic and let him do his thing and let him cook. And and I, I use I this cue him up. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes you have to just let things be the way that they are. Right. Like like the camerizing thing, it's it is starting to drag on a little bit. And you know, if you do roll him back for year seven, like is that gonna be too much? Is it gonna cause problems? Like you know, I know that that's Kyle Whittingham's QB for life, and, and he'd give him a ring if he could, but I just, you know, it, it's the unforeseen consequences, the things that you don't tend to think about that I think always get in the way. And it's just, you know, I think that's, <clears throat> are you trying to plug holes 
in terms of things that to you are a problem, but realistically are not the problem, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's the wrong thing. I think the thing is that Kyle Whittingham's always struggled with quarterbacks, right? And now he's found the one that he feels like he is his guy. And so he just wants to keep Cam rising forever. But that's not the problem. The problem is that Kyle Whittingham struggles with nurturing and training quarterbacks as a head coach. You know what I mean? So I, like, that's what I'm trying to get to with all this. I would just like to point out that a lot of guys go to college for seven years. They're called doctors. <laughs> Do we call him Dr. Rising? <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Uh, I want somebody to show up to a breath conference. Uh, Dr. Rising, Josh Newman is no longer in the market, and congrats to him, but he would have been my... What happened to Josh? He got a job with Gulf Live, I believe. Oh, uh, he's moving to Florida? SEC country, yeah. Okay. See, I'm so, so detached from the Twitter world, so that I didn't see that. I am as Josh. well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 t- Twitter is a... a it's a hellhole. Yeah. There are better places cool. for me to spend my time, like podcasting oh. with you. And yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, we're we're going to talk about BYU. Uh, they're playing Oklahoma State. They have a chance to spoil their possible appearance in the Big 12 championship game. That's fine. Whatever. Um, we'll see how they do. Good luck. Brian, I, I'm I'm spent. I'm the, the trip to fans yeah, uh, comes back for round two. Get yourself one last piece of pie and head off to dreamland. And uh, I think the good news is we'll find a way to do this more going forward. Absolutely. Well, cool. We'll, we'll sign off. Sign off for a good pal, Eric. This has been the End Zone Podcast.